Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Table Talk with your girl, Kimmy. Hey guys, it's Kimmy and welcome to Real Table Talk. This is a place where we're going to have some interesting discussions. It's centered around women. Real Table Talk. Where you feel comfortable, where you can share your views, express yourself, and we just come together as a family. So stay tuned, guys, because the real table talk is exactly where it is. And today with us, we have Keisha Biggs. Oh my God, guys, what a powerhouse. I cannot wait for you guys to hear all of the information that, he, that she has to share with us today. Keisha is a recent graduate of the University of Massachusetts, Boston, with a bachelor's degree in nursing. She also has a bachelor's degree in culinary nutrition and an associate degree in culinary arts. She also has work experience within the restaurant industry for over 10 years before she would have changed her career in to pursue nursing. So without any further ado, I'm just going to go right ahead and welcome Keisha. Hi guys, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So my co-host Dawn, I mean, she has something special to share with you guys because Keisha is not just our guest, but there's something very special about Keisha to Dawn. So I'm going to let Dawn just take that away. Go ahead, Dawn. Great to be here with you again. Yes, today is a very special day for me because our guest today, she's not only an amazing young woman, but she happens to be my sister. And I'm really, really glad to have her on, but trying to get her on for a while. But I'm even more excited about what she's going to share with us today on our topic, Health is Wealth. So to get started for today's program, Keisha, tell us a little bit about your background because you have a background in food, nutrition. How did you switch to a career path in nursing? So how that happened actually is very funny because I grew up with my mom cooking you know everybody in the family knew how to cook even my dad well our dad and i feel like it was just in me to do that and i kind of like you know you want to be what your mother is you want to be just like how she is and in, in terms of in the kitchen and stuff like that and i've always loved food so i gravitated towards that more but as I got older and working in the restaurant industry, I realized I was just like, mm, something here is not right. I felt like at times I wasn't really, the food that I produced was good, yes. But I just found that there was like a disconnect between me and that profession. And it started to make me feel kind of out of place, out of sorts. And then... I, I left um, after like about 10 years of the back and forth with different places working in BIM, but the, in the food industry and to get my culinary nutrition degree. I first got that, um, you know, just following up with, because I first got my associates in Barbados at um, Palmarine. And then I went on to do my culinary nutrition, you know, just to keep that momentum going and completed the degree and everything and just found like you know what i just wasn't settled i was all over the place i was unfocused and then our dad don and myself he got really really sick and at that point i was already even before he had gotten sick 
I had already been a little wishy-washy about, do I really still want to do this food thing? It, it just didn't bring me joy anymore. For some reason, I had came back to Barbados after that degree, went back working, and then I just quit my job. And it's so funny that maybe like I quit my job on the Wednesday and f on the Sunday, our dad fell really, really ill to the point where he was hospitalized. And that was ongoing for, I want to say, three months-ish, give or take. And then, you know, the process of going to the hospital every day, I will go in the morning, make sure, you know, when they're giving him lunch, I would feed him. And then I would stay, go in the cafeteria, sleep, come back for the evening feedings and so on. And then at that point, I was very naive to the medical field in that I wasn't aware of like the medical jargon, as we would say, you know, they would say all these big words and I would be super confused. And plus it was confusion of the medical jargon in conjunction with our dad being ill. So, you know, it was just a whole ball of emotions and confusions. And I personally did not feel comfortable with some of the care that he received. No, no disrespect to Queen Elizabeth Hospital. I know they're doing their best. People there are working. But, you know, there's always one or two um, in any establishment that just, and unfortunately, I happen to have met those who left like kind of like a bad taste in my mouth. And I was just like going through this experience of having no clue about the medical field. And I was just like, I would not want anyone to have to go through this again. And even prior to that, while working in the food industry, I had thought about it several times, but I had gotten an injury while working in the food industry. And there were some people who were like, you don't want that job because, you know, it's not going to be good for your injury, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of like tucked it under the rug a little bit and then kind of like muffled my feelings towards becoming a worse. So even before our dad got sick, I had in the back of my mind wanted to be a nurse. But just the fact of my injury, I let people say, well, you know, you can't do that, da, 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 da you know, the naysayers. And then after he passed, I just got fed up and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do the nursing thing. Having no clue how difficult it would have been. I just decided like, I know I can do a great job. And then just going through the process of nursing school. And by no means was it easy. It, it, it was very hard. It was very, very, very difficult in nursing school. But at no time, I felt like my passion for it wavered. I feel like every semester, my passion would just grow and grow. And, and the work, with every semester, the work keep piling on and piling on. It got harder and harder. My passion for it never wavered. And at that point, I knew that this is the profession that I'm supposed to be pursuing. And here I am now, recently graduated and just waiting to take my the state boards and to become a registered nurse and then go on from there so we know that you're a nurse in training what is the one thing that you like best about becoming a nurse what i really love about it and i've experienced this several times during my different rotations is that when you go into a patient's room and they are having the worst I mean, the worst day. They have just come back from major abdominal surgery, which is like major surgery. These are people who've had carcinomas of the pancreas. I mean, you know, like 
bowel resection and they've had ileostomies, all of these different things, just major, major surgery, and they are at their worst. And just to know that when you go into those rooms and you, just your presence and your passion to make sure that I know that it's difficult. You know, I, I can't experience the pain, but I know it's difficult. And all I want to do is to provide whatever comfort measures that I can provide just to make you feel good. And this is, this is outside of just giving like painkillers, you know, and giving medications and stuff like that. Just being a overall empathetic and passionate person about just making these people feel as if like, okay, this is the worst day of my life. However, this person has entered my room today on this particular shift and was able to make me feel not my worst. You know, people talk about the money and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's okay. And granted, you work to be paid, but at the same time, I feel like I get so much joy. And at that time, I wasn't, we aren't paid when we do our clinical rotation. So it just brings me so much joy to make sure that patients transition well and they have a remembrance of although i'm in here i'm fighting for my life but there are still people who care about how i feel emotionally and how are able to make me lift my spirits just a little bit to make sure that my path to wellness is their like ultimate goal that's really good i love that you said that in terms of having empathy you know caring and i find that in some some places that is missing when you go to some hospitals or some clinics and so on you find that some nurses can't seem to and that's a major role of their job to care to care for people because that's what you're doing thank you so much Keisha for for that because we understand how important it is the healthcare experiences it's, it's so very important and, and as you rightly said we would have had an experience when our dad was ill but since our topic today is health is wealth. I want you to kind of give us it from a, a different perspective in terms of, of health and wellness, especially during this time where there's so much fear. There's so many in this COVID environment, people that have non-communicable diseases, if they have comorbidities, how COVID can impact them. So give us your perspective now on how important health really is. And from the side of nursing that you're on, how can we better manage our health based on, on what you're seeing coming through the hospital and with your nursing experience? COVID has definitely been a beast worldwide. And the thing is that health has not been more important than it is right now because of it. And for years, there are many people, like millions of people out there. And I know like a lot of Barbadians, a lot of Americans struggle daily with comorbidities and then here comes COVID now and those persons are even higher risk of mortality, which means that they're at higher risk that they can die because of having those comorbidities as well as contracting COVID. So the thing is though, what people must also understand, yes, people with comorbidities are at increased risk for complications from COVID, but also people who don't have core morbidities are at high risk as well. And people fail to understand that although some people think that because that they are thin, 
that that means that they are healthy. That is not necessarily the case. Our people think that if people have a little bit more size on them, that they're unhealthy. That is so far from the truth. And people need to understand what it means to be healthy and what health is wealth means. Because you're a thin, it really has to do with your metabolism. People may have issues with their metabolism. That's why, you know, they may be, have a little bit more size than others. Could be a thyroid problem, all these kind of stuff factored in. But what people have to understand that because that you're thin, that does not mean and you do not have any diagnosed core morbidities. That means that you're healthy. There are some of the thinnest people I know that eat so much crap. They're not healthy. And in the event that they had to get sick, trust me, any kind of sickness like the cold, the flu will take down those people very, very easily because people are of the impression that because you're small, that means you're healthy. Far from the truth. What people need to understand is that COVID affects your respiratory system. That means it affects how you breathe. We all breathe. That's how we survive. And it's very scary because one is running rampant right now. And people are, as we would say, dropping like flies a little bit because of it. And one of the reasons why people may be dropping like flies is because we take our health for granted when there's no pandemic going on typically it's just like you know it's whatever some people have grown to just accept of having core morbidities and never thought about the seriousness that it could have later down the road and now covid has hit so now people are even more scared because before they were living quite comfortably with having these core morbidities. Furthermore, people weren't even managing these core morbidities well, you know, before COVID hit. So now it's become an issue where these core morbidities now, this is kind of like life and death. And we will consider these core morbidities like persons who suffer with like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, these kind of diseases that we can say we didn't have to contract them. Most people who contract these diseases got them because of poor health. Some of them may have some hereditary type stuff going on, but for the most part, a lot of people with these core morbidities know that can cause you to be at risk for death alone. I know coupled with COVID were things that are preventable. And previously, people were living very comfortably with them for this month. There are many diabetics that I know. And as we can see in Barbados, because the amputation in Barbados is very, very high in, in terms of diabetes-related complications. And this is because that health is poorly managed. So I'm not going to be here being a hypocrite and say that I eat healthy like all the time. We all have those moments, especially those moments of stress. You know, we have those moments of unhealthy eating. But when things like this hit, rather than people being scared about it, it's just like, how can I now try to help reverse some of these core morbidities I have? Because a lot of these core morbidities, they can be well-managed. And once they're well-managed, yes, you'll be at risk, but your risk level also decreases the more well-managed they are. And this is a problem, especially when it comes to like diabetes and hypertension. People are walking around with this stuff as if like, do, 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 you know, I, you know, it is what it is. As they would say, got sugar, I got right. 
da da da, continue to eat what I want, all this kind of stuff. But really and truly, you are breaking your body down piece by piece by piece. Every time that you do not follow your management regimen to make sure that your disease does not affect your body to the extent where it decreases your lifespan. This is things that we need to start thinking about. So now, as I said, that COVID has hit now, people are even more scared and as they should be because it's quite deadly and it's quite easily spread. Those are the two major issues. It's easily spread and it's deadly. Well, it can be deadly. Everyone has not suffered from it, but we've seen millions of people have died already in a year already just from this one little virus. So we know that it can be deadly. So another thing that people have to understand also is that I know people are iffy about the vaccine, whether to take it, whether not to. There's all these different stories about the, the vaccine and stuff like this. What people have to understand, and I'm not necessarily advocating for vaccines, but I'm just advocating for things that make sense. So think of it this way. We've had so many things eradicated so far. Mumps, rubella, all these kind of stuff have been eradicated. Even if you get like a one-off case, it's not widespread. And this was achieved via having vaccines. When kids are born, there are certain vaccines that they have to get. When they're born, they have to get at six months, they have to get at nine months, and all these different timelines that they have with these vaccines that help your kid. Well, some people might beg to differ, and some people might be like, you know, I've had kids, I haven't had any vaccines, and they're fine. Okay, that's fine. However, just know that because of the evolution and the creation of vaccines that we were able to eradicate things that were taking people down left right and center so why is it so different now with covid and people are having such a hard time wrapping their head around actually taking the covid vaccine here in the united states you have like you get flu vaccines every year some people don't take them but you have that i would assume that this is how covid is going to be most likely that you'll probably have to get a vaccine. But here's the thing. Technology is such on a rapid growth because another one, the reasons why people are a little iffy about it is the timeline that it was created. And rightfully so, because most of those timelines really happen to be that long because of like the trials and so forth. And, you know, you maybe they need to take this out, put that in, da, 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 all that kind of stuff, you know, what's best. Cause it's really about what's best for the majority. It can be what's best for all. That is not really possible to be best for all is be what's gonna be best for the majority. And I get it, but people must also understand that things are gonna speed up a lot faster in terms of creating these things because of technology, because of the people that are so brilliant and the genius people that we have in this world right now that are able to think and create these things and be like, you know what? It doesn't need to take X amount of time. Not saying that the trials aren't important. Yes, I would always say that, but people have to think along those lines that it's a vaccine. It was a need to have this vaccine sooner rather than later. And unfortunately, what people also have to understand is that I won't want it to happen to my family as well as nobody else's family, but what people have to understand that 
People die every single day from something. Something. And if the Lord said that it's time to go and your card has been pulled, it don't matter if Sue got the vaccine and she survived and Joe get it the same time and he passed. It's just the circle of how things going to happen. And I don't want people to think that I am not being empathetic about people's lives that have been lost. That is not it at all. I'm just saying the reality of it is, is that they have to create vaccines for the majority. They would like to create it for all, but we all know it's not going to work that way because look at it. People have so many different allergies and so forth. So that's why they and God keep going back to the drawing board. And I go back again every year here with the flu vaccine, they give you a different strain every year. You don't get the same strain every year. So this is probably going to be what COVID is going to be like here on out. I feel like it's just going to be part of us because at the end of the day, it is a virus. A virus is very different from a bacteria because for the most part, you could kill a bacteria. You got some penicillin, all this different thing. You could kill a bacteria. People might be allergic, but you could kill a bacteria. Viruses are different. When they get into our body, they take over our DNA. You understand? So that's how they're able to, to function because they come into your body and they're able to use your cells and your DNA of your cells to do what they need to do. So that's the difference between a virus and a bacteria. So that's why it's not gone anywhere as yet. You see the flu is still around. Any virus that you ever hear about is going to be still around and it eventually it will mutate because here we go with the vaccines. We go and treat it with all these different medications and stuff and they become resistant. So then they need to come in with different approaches now to attack said viruses. So that is my two cents really about COVID and health wise and how we going thus far. As a nurse, have you been on the front line? I know you are in training currently right now, but have you been called to be on the front line in making sure you're providing service to others right now? We did have the opportunity. And besides when COVID came around, I was in my last year as senior. So we were asked, unfortunately, at the time that they had asked that I was living in a household with persons who had several comorbidities. And then my daughter in that whole COVID lockdown, first lockdown session, she got sick, not from COVID, but she was diagnosed with epilepsy. So she became high risk. So I personally was not as much as I would have loved to help at that point in time. I just had too much people around me that I would put at risk. And funny enough, when I actually did my last rotation, I actually cared for persons who had COVID-19. But at that oh, wow. point, my daughter was a little bit, she was more stable. And then we had moved by herself. So she was more away from me than with me at that point when I actually cared for persons with COVID-19. And it's just so funny. A couple of patients that I cared for with COVID-19 had so much things going on. There was a girl who had literally her insides were literally inside out. Like she had so many things going on with her and she survived it. Everybody's not going to be like that. But I'm just saying there are people who have comorbidities that still live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who get it and still live. 
But yes, I did have that experience and it was very scary because I remember the first time I walked on the floor and they were like, um, so today you'll be taking care of cookfish. I was like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm d definitely not. I was so anxious and so scared about it. But then I was just like, man, this is the world we live in right now. Once I take those boards and I become a registered nerd, I can't tell them I don't want to. Like, that would be negligent. You know what I mean? Cause you'd be like, I neglecting patients. So I, I just honestly kind of jumped right in. As I said, my daughter was a little bit more removed from me, um, as well as those people who have the core morbidities. So I felt a little bit more comfortable in doing it. I was scared for myself, obviously, but when you choose to do, to be a healthcare worker, I feel like all bets are kind of off. Like you put yourself in that position to like care for the deathly ill people. And this so happened to be a situation. This is a very ticklish topic. I mean, I know, and, um, you know, obviously we're crunched for time. Um, the whole topic of the vaccine is very controversial. We all have our own views. I have my own views on it as well. But can you tell us, Keisha, and maybe like three or four tips, how should people, and as we're talking about health, what are some of the things that people can do? those that have core morbidities and those that don't really and truly because as you said this is something that attacks your respiratory system and i'm assuming that the healthier you are you increase your chances of either not contracting or surviving this virus give us a couple tips on what to do during this season of covid and beyond i can give several tips but i know we are crunched for time so i'll make it Okay, let's start with people who have core morbidities like diabetes and like hypertension, stuff like that. First, first, most, what people need to do is to follow their management treatment. Okay. And there's more I can go into in terms of like the diet and all this kind of stuff. I can definitely do that. But for right now, overall, follow your management. But at the same time, understand how hard it is to. And as I said, I can definitely go deep into how people can maneuver around that management regimen that seems like so like rigid. But for the most part, follow your management treatment that your doctor has outlined for you. Secondly, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C, and I'll say it again, vitamin C. We need that. Vitamin C helps your body fight off viruses, bacteria. You just need vitamin C. It really, really, really helps because with the antioxidants and so, so you will get this from your oranges, your limes, your lemons. And we from the Caribbean who were raised in the Caribbean, things like incorporate ginger and turmeric because those have anti-inflammatory properties. It helps rid your body of the toxins and stuff like that. Thirdly, exercise. I know, I know, exercise. You don't have to hire a personal trainer. You can walk, you can run, you can do yoga, anything that gets your heart rate up and expands your lungs for at least 30 minutes a day and if you first start out maybe three times a week and you can move from three to five times a week anything that gets your body moving gets your lungs expanding gets your blood pumping 
it really, really helps with not only your mood, it also helps with weight loss, obviously, because the more you exercise, the better. It also helps with your circulation. So this even ties back in with those with core morbidities. It will definitely help because people who work out and stuff like that can definitely decrease the amount of medications that they take. So it is like a double whammy when it comes to exercise. It's also good for preventative and it's also good for treatment. And then lastly, just have a variety in your diet. Just have a variety, vegetables, fruit, you know, these are things that you hear all the time, but I know sometimes it's hard because even like for me, like when you're doing a 12 hour shift, it's very hard to eat healthy. So just try to eat as much variety as you can and decrease a lot of like the processed stuff. I'm not going to tell like meat and I know you get like a lot of flack for this meat. Meat is actually not that great for your body, especially like red meat. I know people love meat, especially in the Caribbean, love, love, love meat. But if you could cut back a little bit on how much meat you intake and also watch your portion sizes. Because sometimes, you know, our eyes are usually bigger than our stomachs and we usually have food and we eat it and we stuff it. You know, you come from a, a culture where it's like, don't leave nothing on the plate. You got to eat all your food. If you want to do this, that in Exeter, you make sure you eat all your food. That is not such a great um, strategy because then you don't know when you're satiated, meaning you don't know when you're full and people just like gulping food like that. And sometimes, you know, you definitely are overeating. So you definitely need that balance. You know, it's all about balance, but I'll give my tips again. Anybody with core morbidities, please follow your management treatment. Take your vitamin C, preferably in your fruit farm, your vegetable farm. Leafy greens have a lot of vitamin C, you know, your kale, your spinach, your broccoli, stuff like that. Exercise, just eat a variety of foods. Be mindful of the meat. It's also a great thing to do is to have your mind a little bit at ease because sometimes when your body is anxious, it creates like cortisol in your body which you don't want because then you get all these like mood swings. It raises your blood sugar levels. It's cortisol in the body is, is not that great for the body. And when you are anxious, you create like a lot of cortisol. So also having like a, a balanced mindset and stuff like that. I know at times it's hard, but that's where like meditation comes in. Sometimes journaling, stuff like that, just to ease, whatever, listening to music, whatever it takes for you to relax is also helpful in dealing with overall health as well as in a pandemic where everything is just scary and everyone is anxious and there's the unknown and all this kind of stuff. So, so just those few little tips to really get people started. And you should definitely see a, a difference and it will help make sure that you you keep your body good because we only have one. So if you abuse it, like, that's it, really. Okay, so Keisha, what are some of the best dishes that we can actually, because right now we're in Barbados and we are currently on lockdown, lockdown. <laughs> and I repeat that twice because this weekend we, <laughs> locked, we were on lockdown before, but it's actually lockdown now because there's no movement unless you're an essential worker. So what are some of the meals that we can look at 
preparing that can be easy and quick. You don't necessarily have to be a chef or somebody that's really good in the kitchen, but something easy, quick and healthy that we can make to keep our bodies in that place where we know that we're not that as susceptible to the, to the virus. I know there's people who have mango trees, they make up cherry trees. Like you got so many vitamin C rich trees that are all over the island. Like, so start there. You understand? Utilize these things. You see these stuff on the ground, you know, the mangoes drop down, people ain't eating them. Like all these things is what is going to help fuel you with vitamin C. So that's the first place to start. The best thing about being in Barbados is that you don't necessarily have to worry about pesticides that much because most of the stuff that are grown in Barbados are organic, which is best. So start there. Somebody got a mango tree, somebody got a lime tree, somebody has a lemon tree, somebody got a cherry tree. Make use of those things. Other things that will help canned tuna, I know a lot of people may be iffy about it, but canned tuna is good sardines are good i don't personally like sardines but they do have a lot of nutrients in them a lot of people will love them salmon if you can't get the fresh one use you can i mean you utilize what you have because it's expensive to buy these things fresh at times once again it's just moderation and what you add to it if you can have like a half a can lettuce is one of the easiest things to grow anything leafy easy to grow Get a little half a can. Everybody put a lot don't know. So that would be the perfect time to just get like a little kitchen garden. You know, some cucumbers, some lettuce, some sweet peppers. Really, truly, that's a salad right there. You couple that with some canned tuna, sardine. If you got some chicken that you can grill or even other meat, if you have that you can grill and put on top, perfect. Then you could turn around, you could put all of that in a wrap if you care to. Don makes some really nice roti skins right now and doing other flavors and stuff like that. Put all them things in a wrap. You have a meal. People love rice. White rice is the best thing. However, if that's what you got, portion it. Have more vegetables on the plate than the actual rice. Yogurt is really good. So if you can get out to the supermarket, you get yourself some yogurt, add some fruit to that. Perfect. Smoothies. Easy peasy. You know what's so great about a smoothie? I know sometimes people will be like, oh my gosh, I have so many mangoes. I don't know what to do with them. Freeze them. Perfect thing to do when you have an abundance of fruits like that. Freeze them. Freeze your bananas, stuff like that. Throw everything in a blender, whatever flavor profile you want. Blend, you have a meal. If you want to, you want to add a little peanut butter to it to add a little extra protein. You have that. Some chia seeds, flaxseed, smoothie, done easy. That can easily be a meal replacement. Easily. Yeah, and just salads. Easy peasy put together. I know people don't really fancy salads and dressings are not that great. But look, olive oil, maybe some roasted garlic, squeeze a lemon, and that is a meal. And it tastes pretty good. If you want to make a creamy dressing, Use your yogurt as your base instead of mayonnaise or sour cream. Because it really has the same flavor profile as sour cream, you know. Uh, people like they don't think of it that way. But really and truly, yogurt is the healthier version to sour cream. So if you like cream-based dressings, use yogurt as your base and add whatever other flavorings you want to add to it. Well, you know, you're already starting out with a healthier base. 
but you're still getting that mouthfeel from the creamy dressing. So yeah, so there we have it. And instead of fry, roast or pan sear. Pan sear meaning that there's very little oil in the pan, but you still get the benefits of kind of fry, but not really roasting in the oven. Roast some vegetables. You don't always have to steam vegetables, people. Actually, steamed vegetables are nasty. I know what I'm talking about. I was very a picky eater, still am. So I am telling you the truth. If you put vegetables in the oven with some olive oil, salt and pepper, garlic, pepper, whatever flavor profile you want to, and you roast them off, trust me, they taste a whole lot better than the steamed version. So it would encourage you to eat them. So yeah, those are my little tips of what people can do right now while being home quick and easy. I think I'm so hungry. Don't you still there? Don't tell me you hop in the kitchen. Don. <laughs> but you know me, I'm one for the kitchen. Um, that runs in our family, actually. We are foodies. We like food. We like good food. So as you said, I'm here taking in this information. Actually, one of the things I did, there were these lovely air fryers that were selling, and I decided to invest in one of those. And that has been the best investment ever that is the equipment that is used the most in my kitchen except for the fridge and the stove let me tell you everything does get air freight everything and i find you don't have to use the oil but you still get the fried effect your meats and everything are great in an air fryer so i would also suggest if you can afford it invest in an air fryer it really works wow so we are coming close to the end and i know so much wealth of information you've shared with us so far, Keisha. And I, I really want to thank you for, you know, sharing from the heart. But before we go, I want to ask, why is it so important that we create a healthy lifestyle? Creating a healthy lifestyle is all about longevity. If you want to live your best life as long as you can without, of course, because there's those accidents, people get in accidents, all this kind of stuff. Let's let's put all that aside. We're talking about the health. If you want to live your best, longest life, trust and believe. It starts in the kitchen, as cliche as it may sound. It starts in the kitchen because when you eat right, your body repays you by being good to you. You're not too fatigued. You can get up and you can do your work. You know, when it's time to sleep, yes, it's time to sleep because sleep is also another, another, another tip. Sleep is very, very important. However, if you find that you are eating X food and you are sluggish during the day, try eliminating it for a little bit and just see how your body reacts to it. For example, I've taken meat out of my diet now for a couple of weeks. Okay, it was very, very sluggish, all this kind of stuff. And then I took it out and all of a sudden I got this burst of energy because my body's being fueled by what the earth creates to nourish our bodies. So it was like fruits, the vegetables, whole grains and stuff like that. And trust and believe, like you start to see a difference in the way how your skin glow, especially when you drink your water. When your body is nourished, you can tell the difference. But when it's undernourished, you, you can definitely also tell the difference. So when your body is nourished well, it does you well in that you are able to accomplish all these goals and all these dreams and visions that you have created for yourself. But when you do not nourish the body, that's when 
things like procrastination and fear and all these things live in your brain and it and you're doubtful and all this kind of stuff because that your body's like eh, eh, hold up listen um what's happening here like i don't feel so good and that means you can't feel so good because i don't feel so good so therefore i have to show it somewhere so it manifests into you being fatigued and sluggish and angry all the time you just snappy snappy and this and you can't achieve this but you see when you nourish that body man you be start like ticking things off your list tick 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 you'll be like oh my gosh like i've never been able to be so upbeat and be able to accomplish so much things just because that your body is rewarding you for treating it well. How important is it to supplement? Because I know I've heard a lot of conversations about this where people tend to say they eat vegetables, they eat right, they, they have all of these things that they do, but yet still they are still falling ill to certain things, that things are still happening. And as I did some more research, I recognized that we don't get everything that we need from the food we eat because we're not able to eat the type of amounts that are recommended for you to eat. We can't eat all of that in one day. So how important is it that we supplement? Okay, supplementation has its place in that. And first I would recommend when persons go to their doctor, tell them that you want a full panel done so you can see what vitamins and minerals you are deficient in. Only then I would say based on that, that you seek medical assistance with supplementation. Cause sometimes things become like a craze, things become like popular because this person is doing that and the next person, like right now, CMOS gel is like a thing. You know, it's, it's like a craze now. So everybody jumping on the bandwagon, they got this, they got that. Not saying that it isn't great, but sometimes what you have to do is to know what you're deficient in first before you tell yourself you're going to go supplement. And I'll tell you, like, for instance, up here in the East Coast, you don't get a lot of sun, especially during the winter. So you don't get a lot of vitamin D. People in Barbados won't struggle really with vitamin D deficiency because, you know, the sun practically all year round. Here is different. So therefore, you will more supplement with a, a vitamin D supplement on the East Coast because of the reason why you're not outside as often as you, you should be to get the adequate amount of vitamin D. And these are, you know this based on getting your blood taken and finding out what you are deficient in so supplementation definitely has its place but people need to be mindful of what's in the supplements um you have to do your research not all supplements are cracked up to what they are a lot of supplements could have a lot of fillers in them that are not necessarily good to your body it may even create some sensitivities that you don't know of so you have to make sure that when you go to your doctor's appointments harass them listen i want all this blood work done because i want to see what i'm deficient in i want to see what's going on with this in my body next in my body harass them so that you know you have an idea what you need to work on don't just supplement because you hear somebody say or you need to supplement, or you may have a symptom of a deficiency in XYZ, but you don't know for sure. So I will always say supplementation, yeah, sure, it's fine. Granted that you know why you're supplementing 
and how much you're supplementing because you don't want to push it the, to the opposite side of the spectrum now where you over supplement, which means your body's getting toxic because of that vitamin, not mineral. So there's always like a push pull when it comes to supplementation. Um, you can eat all the fruits and vegetables as you want to. Yes. But sometimes like for instance, I am iron deficient anemic. I have to supplement with iron at times or chlorophyll or something. I have to. So once again, and this is through me getting my blood work done and knowing X, Y, and Z. So I would say, yes, you eat a balanced diet, but sometimes you don't always, because remember everybody's bodies break down things differently. And just because that dawn body may break down X, one way, that doesn't mean that you, Kamisha, your body's going to break down something the same exact way. So it's very individualized as to how your body breaks down certain things, how it stores it, and how it uses it in the body. You might be getting a little bit more than Dawn is. There's no real way to tell unless you get your blood work done, consult with the doctor, and let them tell you you're a little low on these levels, a little high in these levels. You know, this is what we can do to make it a more even kill. And then you can go and do your research. You'll be like, okay, well, the time I got iron deficiency, I don't really like taking pills. So let me see what else I could supplement. Because I'm not a pill taker. You know, I'll be honest. I don't like pills at all. And most people that I know are very pill phobic. I'm one of those. So if you could give me something that I could drink um, or something like that, sure. And I know there's a lot of people out there. So, you know, that's why we, we don't have like a lot of medication compliance because of the pills. Some of the pills be like harsh pills. And sometimes you'll be taking a pill so large and not even half of it ain't going to your body. It's not even bioavailable to your body. Like, you know, it done breaking down and, and it, yeah, by the time it gets to where it needs to get to, how much you're really getting really and truly from that pill that was so large. So sometimes, you know, you have to once again, do your research and see this works for me. Maybe a pill may work for you. Maybe not. So you do your research and you know, okay, well, you know, I could do X instead of Y. Give me pretty much the same result, but you know, it's customized to you individually. And yeah, that's my thoughts on supplementation. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Don't you take notes? I am definitely taking notes over here. This is just <laughs> such a wealth of knowledge and information. Definitely. Definitely. I know we're about to head out, but I know Dawn has this burning question. She usually always has like the last burning question. So I'm going <laughs> to let her have that opportunity to answer that question that is burning. I don't have a last burning question to talk to me. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I just honestly, I think Keisha gave us a wealth of information. I mean, like we talked about COVID. We talked about staying healthy. We talked about comorbidities. We talked about what to eat. And then she gave us these great tips. And we even talked about supplementation. And I think this kind of wrapped things up all in one so that, you know, persons can go and pull pieces of this podcast out and apply them to situations, to their lives in, in whatever form or fashion. So I really don't have any other questions. I am just going to say that with everything that is going on, the one thing that I really focused on was the part when she said about our mind 
and being mindful, um, not just of how we eat, but of our thoughts and what we're feeding our minds, because that is something that I have experienced very recently. And I know that it is very real that whatever is going on in your mind really affects your body significantly. And sometimes we don't recognize that maybe because we're not having a symptom or anything like that, but it's really important. And just to kind of sidebar here in spite of a lot of things we've been hearing, um, suicides and people really having a tough time with COVID and dealing with job losses and the fear and the vaccine and take it or don't take it. There's so much stuff out there that it can really bombard your mind to a point where people feel like, I don't know if there's any hope anymore. I don't know what to do. Even in feeding your family, there are things that, and Keisha would be great for this, that we probably can have another segment on really breaking down simple ways to eat. Um, simple recipes because people need that in my house right now we're in lockdown and we were sitting down like fish out of water today because we're like uh especially you could go to supermarket and grab something and it's like oh goodness we got to get creative here because what do you eat you know tired of this tired of that kind of stuff and then you find oh there's bread or there's flour and if you live in the Caribbean you make some good bakes and like me some good corned beef cakes and stuff and you find yourself eating things that you really wouldn't normally and you really shouldn't be eating them in great quantities but it's like this is what we have so this is what we're going to do with what we have so I just think it was great to Kamisha I think we have a wealth of knowledge I don't have any more questions this is my sister so you know she, <laughs> she I call her the nerd she doesn't like that but she's a nerd <laughs> She she really is. She's super smart. And I think her going into this field was something that I'm really proud of her for because I know the wealth and the, the knowledge that she has, but also the depth of care that she has. And she does have a call for this in terms of food and nutrition and all this. And I think this is what will make her such a great nurse because she's coming from a different background as well of health and wellness. So yeah, that's it for me, Kamisha. I don't have anything else to add. It's a great session as usual. Um, lots of information. You can wrap it up and we can go on <laughs> home. <laughs> well said, Don. Keisha, thank you so, so, so much for sharing that wealth of knowledge with us. So I'm sure our listeners, if you've listened to this carefully and you have already took away some information from this, you understand how important your health is because your health is actually wealth you know so i hope you guys got a lot from this kisha once again thank you for joining us and to dawn as i always say i wouldn't choose any other co-host and to our listeners thank you so much for tuning in time and time again share this with someone else who can be blessed so that they can get some of this information as well so guys, to tune in and see what else we have coming, you can also check us out on our Instagram page. And that's Real Table Talk Podcast on Instagram. Once you put that in, you'll find us there. Anything that's coming up, it, everything will be there. You'll find Dawn and I right there. And remember, guys, this is Real Table, Table Talk. talk.